Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. My main takeaway from, from the show was that if you are in a specific int, you know, you kind of get your niche. Um, just understanding the availability of other types of information and technology and applications, uh, of, you know, how that information can be used is the real benefit. It just, you know, helps you understand how to communicate with your colleagues better, um, enhance and corroborate and confirm, you know, your intelligence. You're going to have to, you know, look outside of the, the OSINT sphere um, at some point, you know, to do that well. Hello, I'm Aubrey Byron, producer on Needlestack and your host for today. And I'm Shannon Reagan, co-producer on Needlestack and co-host today. Today, we are talking about GeoInt 2023, the symposium in St. Louis that we just got done attending for three days. Um, we just wanted to give a little bit of recap and our thoughts and some new things we learned. So this event is run by the uh, United States Geospatial Intelligence Foundation. Um, you know, I know most of our listeners of the podcast are of the OSINT sphere, um, but OSINT, you know, can be used in conjunction with any of the other ends. That's what we've been doing these series of episodes on uh, recently, specifically fo focusing on GeoInt. Uh, so it's just a lot of good conversations uh, at the conference, um, good presentations, uh, you know, tons of vendors in the space. Uh, we learned a lot and yeah, let's, let's jump in. Yeah. I mean, there were lots of great talks and panels, but I have to say one of the best parts about the conference was just walking around the expo room, getting demos from various companies. Yeah. Who knew you would miss the expo floor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are doing really cool things out there and um, it's neat to get to see. I feel like I got better at being a guest like a random person coming up to your booth um because i did want to preface you know most of the time saying like i'm not in the geospatial space i'm more in the osint sphere um what is it that you do you know what what brings you here um uh, obviously our company authenticate like a lot of our customers um use you know geoint uh, as well as osint and many of the other ints um so that's kind of our role there was to understand the intersection of all of these uh but the answers that I got out of what do you do just showed the wide, wide world of this. Um, I think the most interesting one I got was from uh, Astera. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but they do uh, imaging or like satellite uh, radar imaging of uh, water soil levels to detect like leaks and uh, you know, for uses in dams and mining and, uh, you know, water treatment and store facilities. It's just like, huh, huh, <laughs> never knew you could do that from space. Uh, 
you know, look into the the soil. They said they could tell like, you know, fresh water from sewage and things like that. Uh, just the, the world of, of geo is very wide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was funny, actually, you say that. And I was getting a demo with um, some people and we were in a truck, which I'll explain later. But um, he went around the room and asked everybody what they do. And every single person there had a different answer. There was mm-hmm. a student, there was, um, you know, an engineer, myself, I was like, I work on a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but like, it, it, and then a data analyst, and it was just really kind of all over the board. And I think that's a really interesting um, intersection for who's attending these conferences mm-hmm. and also how this technology can be used. Um, yeah. One of the, I think some of the most interesting demos that I saw were from companies that are using SAR, which mm-hmm. if you don't know is, Synthetic Synth- aperture yeah. radar. <laughs> we got um, a lot of acronym debriefs, so you know, forgive us yeah. for synthetic for aperture radar. So, um, and what's interesting about that compared to optical is that you can see through clouds um, from the satellite. You can see at night. So, a lot of times, sometimes when we're doing weapons monitoring, someone might hurry up and try to move, you know, an aircraft carrier at night or unveil it and move it, something like that, because your typical imagery is not going to be able to capture that from a satellite or on a cloudy day. SAR can see all of that. And actually you could see the metal sort of gleaming um, on some of these images. And then the various companies often do a little bit of work to, um, it's a little harder to tell, takes a little more technical skills. And some of these companies are making it easier for a data analyst to just plug into what they're used to seeing. So yeah, neat. I, yeah. Um, got some great demos. It was like down to the meter uh, was what the guy at Capella said. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah. Capella was, yeah, it was also an interesting booth. Um, Black Sky uh, was right around there as well. Um, good talk with them. Yeah. The, um, you know, similar problems in OSINT and NGOINT, like, what do you do with all of this data? Like, first of all, there's just a ton of it. Um, so there are a lot of vendors there that were talking about, like, the data handling aspects, um, security of that data, um, cost effectiveness, you know, of using cloud versus on-prem, like, when those are appropriate. Um, and then how do you bring it all together? How do you synthesize and analyze and then present it in a way that actually, like, mean something, you know, that is actionable. Uh, so, you know, same, same challenges, uh, different acronym, um, but interesting to see, you know, the volume of ven- vendors there just to deal with the data. The, the truck that I mentioned was... I was going to say, why were you in a truck? I didn't see a truck today, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. really? Maybe the truck went back to California. Uh, <laughs> it was a very large... Um, like not armored vehicle, but a pretty giant. A buff vehicle. Yes. Uh, and so the application was actually a geo and disaster relief, which we mm-hmm. touched on a little bit with Mark Knapp, but mm-hmm. um, it was funny. We got in the truck and the guy's giving us a demo and he's like, this isn't actually really what we do, but we wanted to show off this cool truck. Because the truck's cool. Yeah. <laughs> of how you could use our product. But what they actually make, and this is a GDIT, 
that what they actually make are really small portable servers um, that are like half width, use low power, and they can be put together to make a mesh in perhaps a disaster relief area where a hurricane has taken out all comms. You can Mm -hmm. use this as a comms base or um, behind enemy lines, I think is the actual application that is happening most often um, for their product. Quietly drive this, you know, tiny truck in there. (laughs) Well, but, or like a small server that, you know, a stack, they had a stack in their truck, but he was saying like it, you can have some like briefcase size ones that then you, put in various location and then you have a lot of coverage and i think mm-hmm. he said 15 square kilometers was the coverage area when i asked mm-hmm. of just one of them so once you start piecing them together it's mm-hmm. um quite a bit and it also can provide cell service so that was pretty interesting and um i feel like a lot of times a lot of the uh booths i saw were more software side mm-hmm. of things so it was cool to see some hardware yeah yeah. Um, yeah. There were some, you know, satellite, you know, companies with, you know, models of their satellites there. Like it's amazing just the availability of commercial satellites and the volume of commercial satellites now. Uh, and then it's, yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. We'll, you know, put another one up, uh, you know, no problem. We'll have 30 more next year or whatever. Um, but yeah. Or 3000 if you're Starlink. Oh my God. Yeah. So I did get the, uh, the magic leap demo. Did you do that? The, uh, I don't think I did Magic Leap today. Okay, so it's a VR headset demo. I saw them, yes. Um, <laughs> I had to wait for a very long time. It was a very popular booth. It turns out if you give people a game, they'll want to play. Um, right. But you can view satellites in real time in front of you as they are in space. Um, we went through the different locations, so Leo, Mio, and Geo, uh, of kind of where the placement is. And um, you could filter by company. So you can see out of all of the operable satellites, which I think was like 7,365, I think, of that's operable, which there's like 15,000 up there total, most of which don't work, as many of us know. There's just junk, <laughs> junk floating in yeah. space. Um, but yeah, a lot of them uh, are Starlink and have launched in the last three years. Hmm. Yeah. I've seen the uh, um, like exercises that they run when they all line up and they're, you know, visible from the ground. Looks terrifying. Looks like we're under, you know, alien invasion. Uh, My heart definitely skipped a beat before I knew what it was. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, the like you were saying, you know, that they're kind of putting in perspective, like all that's out there. I think that was my main takeaway from from the show was that if you are in a specific int, you know, you kind of get your niche. just understanding the availability of other types of information and technology and applications, uh, of, you know, how that information can be used is the real benefit. It just, you know, helps you understand how to communicate with your colleagues better, um, enhance and corroborate and confirm, you know, your intelligence. You're going to have to, you know, look outside of the, the OSINT sphere um, at some point, you know, to do that well. Absolutely. Um, and you know, there there were tons more cool companies, by the way. I can't remember and name every <laughs> single one off the top of my head, but people were very uh, patient talking to us. But um, I also saw a lot of great panels. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. How are the panels? A lot talking about, you know, I think one of the big uh, headlines was red tape. A lot of these people are Mm -hmm. in government and the problem sort of with how fast technology is moving and our nation moving at an ocean liner speed is those two things don't always go together. And people talking about how can we pivot? How can we sort of start moving faster, especially as technology advances and we're trying to keep up with other countries and there were mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of talks hit on that subject. The other big subject of the couple of days that I saw, I think, was just recruiting. Um, yeah. The military and the government just aren't having as much success recruiting as they did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a great quote, I think, from a former congressman that said, like, I don't care if you have a nose ring and tattoos. If you got a brain, we need you. <laughs> I want you. Yeah. Talking about, yeah, a little bit of kind of getting out of old mindsets. And Mm -hmm. they talked about that. There was a panel on hiring for neurodiversity kind of similarly and thinking about like, we could really use neuroatypical people in this sphere, but they're getting weeded out in these interview processes. And I kind of, um, I appreciated this one just because I feel like sometimes they're like, you need to do this, but don't actually provide any clues as to how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things they talked about is just if you're a neuroatypical person, you might have trouble with simple things like eye contact or being fidgety or even taking questions extremely literally. And that's just something to keep in mind in your interview process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, a conversation we were having last night, this makes me think of these guys from Geo Yeti that we were talking with um, at our Putchak event. And they were kind of putting in perspective, um, you know, in the intelligence community, um, you know, post-Cold War, it was sort of like, well, you know, what do we do with ourselves? Like, who's, you know, what's the mission? Uh, and then 9-11 hit and it was like, oh, like, you know, we got to scale up like really quickly. And I think we've kind of been in that, um, mindset that these, you know, agencies have become really big and become very important. Um, and so there's just more, uh, pressure to hire and kind of, you know, maintain the apparatuses that, that have been erected in the last, you know, few decades. And then, you know, with the explosion of OSINT, like, you know, this is in the last 15 years, you know, how do you better use that? What type of people, you know, do you need assigned to that? Is it considered all source? Do you have a specific, you know, person or team dedicated to this or agency dedicated to this? Um, Yeah, there was somebody I talked to today, I think at Parsons that said they had 700 open positions on their website. So if you're looking for a job, go look at Parsons. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that, you know, these things are just booming. And, you know, there's obviously a need for them. Um, So great, uh, great career path to get into. Yeah, from the sound of it, quite a few of the agencies, too, are hitting about to do a hiring blitz. Yeah. You know, one of the other great panels that I saw, there was someone from the National Reconnaissance Office, and he said, um, I had to write down this quote, in kindergarten and first grade, it's space and dinosaurs. They eventually find out there's not much money in dinosaurs, but there is in space. It's <laughs> good. I'll keep that. Yeah, there was some really good talks too, uh, you know, just talking about how we're going to modernize some of our capabilities. Um, 
are we still building satellites the way we did in the 80s? And a lot of talks about mm-hmm. how sort of commercial industries and government can come together to yeah. uh, make some of these missions happen. And we're already starting to see that. I mean, that's definitely showcased within this symposium and how to do it some more. Mm-hmm. For on the local side of things... Uh, as probably a lot of people listening know or may not know, that the NGA is um, located in St. Louis, which is, you know, near and dear to Shannon and I. And he talked a lot about, you know, they're they're in the middle of building a new building on the north side, which is a mm-hmm. traditionally underserved area, and kind of working with um, different nonprofits and programs to start getting people on the track to Mm -hmm. get into the Intel cycle. And um, he listed off a lot of interesting sounding programs. There was Unleashing Potential, um, K Career Inc. And they're going into high schools and kind of starting to talk to people about how to get into this career path. And then also offering scholarships and certificates. Uh, Later on, Tish Long announced a lot of scholarships that are happening, some uh, in particular that I was excited by, or particularly for first-generation college students at a community college. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one for trade school students and or someone attending continuing education programs. So not only offering these, but maybe finding them in places that aren't traditional four-year uh, institutions that might be a little bit out of pocket for many people. Yeah, out of reach. Was it, this was through NG, NGA that they were recommending uh, these scholarship and training programs? Yeah, um, and they were, they're through USGIF and mm-hmm. they had various company sponsors. I know AWS was one. I can't remember all of the other sponsors, but great but job. But God bless them. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there seems to be a, a huge, uh, effort to create that pipeline, you know, uh, even if it's going to take, you know, five to 10 years to come to fruition, um, the focus is already there. But yeah, it's great that they're forward thinking. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of the way that it seems like they're working to engage, um, people that might not have been interested in GeoInt or, you know, in our sphere in OSINT, you know for that matter, um, in the more maybe traditional fields of, you know, applications in like, you know, military and intelligence agency missions, um, the stuff that it seems like they're trying to broaden the horizon with, um, you know, on the generation that's coming in and the stuff that I think both you and I like just find fascinating again of how wide this world is, um, or maybe the softer applications of, of, you know, something like GeoInt, uh, I talk to people about how GON is used in uh, shipping, you know, whether that be maritime shipping or, um, you know, ground uh, and logistics, like when are my trucks going to get there? Is there going to be enough space for all of them in this parking lot at once? Like just figuring out where to put stuff um, uses GON. They were talking about uh, insurance companies that use it to understand like where floodplains are and our floodplains changing, like, you know, those moving in the uh, areas that would have been considered that one year, you know, is that changing the next or in five years? What are those projections? Uh, Being a former California resident, uh, seeing how they understand uh, wildfires, both from like a forestry service um, perspective 
And again, um, insurance or utilities, you know, where are you building substations? Where are you putting these transformers? Um, what does the risk of that look like, you know, in wildfire season, which, you know, is beyond even a season now. Um, and there were a couple other ones that I thought, again, I just never heard of before, um, tracking poaching in uh, national preserves in Africa. Uh, and I know, uh, and illegal fishing as well, kind of, you know, beyond uh, national fishing boundaries. Um, and then one of the innovation talks that I went to, these were like five minute talks, rapid fire um, by lots of different organizations at the Innov Innovation Hub um, was from uh, NREL, N-R-E-L on uh, the success rate, essentially, of renewable energy. It's like there's all these countries that have made these promises and projections of, you know, moving to renewables, but how is that actually going uh, and using, um, you know, satellite imagery and, and geoint to look at, you know, scale of wind turbines, how many, you know, what is the placement uh, and, and number of uh, solar panels and like, how is that affecting the grid? And is this actually going to meet the projections? Um, so looking at the, the scale of um, renewables, you know, through the lens of geoint. Again, never would have thought until I popped into this talk. Yeah, one of the panels they also touched on uh, using geoint in agriculture because oh, yeah. uh, the former director of NASA was talking about from their space station they can see if plants are in distress mm -hmm. um, and kind of look at early sort of intervention there. And mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who's an ecologist and was just talking about you know using drones for conservation, mm -hmm. being able to tell if there's um, invasive species moving in without someone physically on the ground there. Yeah. Yeah. Climate was definitely, climate and weather were baked into this, you know, throughout um, in terms of using geoint to understand climate and climate change. Uh, and then also kind of bypassing the weather, you know, in certain like SAR, you know, satellites that, you know, can see through the clouds and see at night and stuff like that. Uh, how limiting that used to be when it's like, sorry, your, you know, target was, it was rainy that day. So don't, you don't see anything. One uh, quote from that same panel that I thought was interesting because uh, budget constraints and the economy were a big focus. And that was one of the panels that I attended. And um, a great quote from one of them was, and I don't remember which, sorry. Uh, when money gets cut, they don't innovate. They go back to the, how they used to operate. And I thought mm -hmm. that was a really interesting uh, note, you know, because mm -hmm. and I find that to be true, actually. Yeah. You need a little bit of room in the budget if you're going to try something new or else you kind of have to stick to bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. And time is money, too. Like it takes time for people to scale up on new technologies or new ways of doing things. Um, the innovation is great, but it it takes commitment either in in time or dollars or both yeah absolutely i also attended one of the training sessions and i have to say it was a little bit underwhelming <laughs> oh no we won't say which one <laughs> yeah no but um i i and i hope that it was just that particular one but um yeah could have found it on youtube <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask, you know, random, random takeaways uh, from the conference. My favorite thing um, was someone reading a very crowded PowerPoint slide like this. Sorry, this is just my notebook. Uh, like reading it line by line, 
sorry, you can, probably can't hear my micro- microphone, reading it line by line, holding something up in front of their face so that they could just like read it slowly. But I was like, what a, what a life hack. Like I've never seen this before in my life. These people are geniuses here. Oh. <laughs> reading but, a PowerPoint line by line is maybe. I was going to say hot tip is really fewer words on your PowerPoint slides, but it was yeah. still a good talk. So worth, worth the read. <laughs> Also, my my confession is so much for geospatial intelligence, not once, but twice. I was on my phone walking in downtown St. Louis and walked up to the doors of the dome. I was like, why can't I get in? (laughs) Because it's not the convention center, which is a block away. (laughs) I did it in the morning and then I did it like coming back in like in the afternoon. (sighs) They would be so ashamed of me. They're like, can we get you a satellite perhaps? (laughs) Oh, yeah, there was a really great uh, talk that kind of talks about, you know, everybody's trying to get satellites up in the air, but they Mm -hmm. forget about the ground game and Mm -hmm. there are more points. So, uh, you know, sometimes they get it up, but they don't actually have um, they don't have the control mechanism to operate from the ground. Uh, And looking at all of the satellite imagery, too, that, you know, from the OSINT world. It is. It's the other perspective. You know, it's GeoInt is, you know, mostly, you know, satellite fueled, looking at physical, you know, physical features on the ground or events happening on the ground. Um, OSIN is looking at the same thing, but from a different perspective. Uh, and so I think they, they dovetail so nicely. Actually, I went up to the S3 booth. What a, what a bunch of gems working at uh, the S3 booth today. Um just immediately when they heard I was in OSINT, they're like, do you know you can map OSINT uh, information? They're like, if something has a location and a time, like, you know, long lat information, like you can pop that in, uh, you know, some uh, geospatial platform and really understand like, where are we looking? When are we looking? Uh, that talking about GeoInt as a way to bring together anything with, you know, location uh, data. It's like, you know, that's really interesting. Never thought of it before. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think there was uh, definitely some buzzwords that got thrown a lot around a lot. Hyperspectral was one. Um, resiliency on the industry <laughs> side was a big one. Yeah. There was one more good quote from a former congressman talking about working uh, between government and industry. And he said, we need to do more than write checks or buy things from your catalogs. <laughs> <laughs> Which was talking about, you know, industry needs to innovate, but uh, government needs to be in- innovating with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of shelfware, you know, in in agencies. Um, there's a lot of money. <laughs> there's a lot of turnover that um, it is, you know, the, the challenges are understandable as to why things get bought the way that they do. Um, but I think everybody wants to be more thoughtful in the dollars that are spent and the way that, that these solutions are actually deployed and actually used. Um, so in a better world, sure. Um, I also talk about in that partnership, another important part that doesn't get, you know, maybe as much attention is including academia. If you think of some of our best technologies out there right now, a lot of them mm-hmm. were started in laboratories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a college campus. Yeah. The university systems. God bless. <laughs> well, it was a great three days. Our first time at GeoInt. Um, but not our last. 
(laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I am excited to see more of these technologies and use. Um, Mm -hmm. You can check out the agenda on USGIF's website if you're interested in who was speaking, what they talked about. Um, Highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a great event. Uh, We learned a lot. And I think, again, would highly recommend for anybody, any OSINTers out there that uh, might be dabbling in in GeoInt to either attend the conference or, yeah, like you said, to check out the speakers and just kind of see what else is out there. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you liked what you heard, you can view transcripts and other episode info on our website, authenticate.com slash needlestack. That's authentic with the number eight.com slash needlestack. I got a lot of confusion on that today and yesterday, so <laughs> make sure you clarify. get the T in there. Somehow it gets missing sometimes. Um, be sure to let us know what you thought uh, on Twitter at needlestackpod and to like and subscribe wherever you're listening today. We'll be back next week with um, more on geolocation. We'll see you then. All right. See you then. Bye.